This is the Schnauzer Logic Radio Company. And I'm, uh, I'm, I don't even know how to start this thing. It's been so long and I'm confused and aggravated and I have a lot of things to talk about and to share and I don't know whether anyone will want to hear any of them, but, uh, but I feel like maybe we need to get the program started here. So, uh, this is, uh, this is not the podcast. Well, actually, you know what? I, I think I think for today, I think for today, this is actually not the uh, not the right opening. Let's. I got a different opening here. Hold on, hold on. Here we go. This is a better opening. There's something wrong with us. Something very, very wrong with us. Yeah, yeah. This this feels this feels like it captures the zeitgeist of uh, of me much better. Uh, Son of Easton, my friend, Son of Easton, welcome. You've managed to tune in, latch on, otherwise download that stream of bits known around the world as Not The Podcast. Yes, this is Not The Podcast. And I'm your host, I'm your buddy, and I'm your pal. My name is Robin Goldstein, and I am your host, I'm your buddy, I'm your pal. I should have said that afterwards. All right. Um, I'm also a straight white Buddhist vegetarian, lesbian fraternity boy, trapped in the body of a recovering transsexual woman patent attorney with a bizarre sense of humor and a master's degree in city planning. And I'm thrilled and delighted to be here. I don't know whether I'm thrilled and delighted to be anywhere. Um, so here's the story. Here, here's the situation. Um, I, and, I, and maybe this will give us a little bit of a sense of what the hell's going on here. Um, when I started doing this podcast last year, so it's today. Oh, yes. So today I'm recording this. It is Thursday. It is February uh, 16th, 2023. Good to know. Um, when I started doing this podcast last year in 2022, um, although I don't have a, a, a formal clinical diagnosis that I could wave in front of you for reimbursement codes, um, I, I suspect that I uh, deal with some amount of, uh, of bipolar uh, disorder, and I was in a manic phase, um, which is not necessarily a bad thing, right? If you're in a manic phase, sometimes you can be incredibly creative and productive, and all of those neurons are firing, and it and it's it's actually it's lovely. It's 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 that kind of runner's high um, without actually having to go out and sweat at all, um, which was great. And I did that show, and I did a bunch of other shows, and I really got into making uh, various sound elements and things of that nature. But one of the things that happened uh, as I started to do that was I realized that I was slipping back into a feeling and sense of this being a performance, that I was creating content for someone else. Again, not a crazy way to look at a podcast, right? I mean, the, the whole idea of a podcast is that you want to build an audience over time and connect with that audience and, and all of those kinds of things. And so I started to think about the formatics and who would I have on the show and what would the various elements be, et cetera, et cetera. And, and you know, when something is working well, um, it, it's kind of frictionless, right? It's, it's fairly easy. There's, there's not a lot of, uh, there's not a lot of resistance. Um, things just sort of naturally fall into place and happen. And, and when things are not quite right, when the gears are not quite meshing up there, there's, there's little bits and pieces of, of, of stickiness along the way. Uh, the, the things that, that, that like the, the smallest thing can 
can kind of get you to say, well, maybe not today, you know? And I think lots of us have those experiences when we're trying to uh, get back into a regular routine of exercise or when we're trying to um, maybe go on a diet or start a new habit, maybe learn an instrument or, or any of those kinds of things. Um, it, it almost has to be perfect or, or you can find lots of reasons not to do it. Um, on the other hand, right, when something is really uh, in the right zone, right, when it's kind of lined up perfectly, then you then really like it, it actually takes work to knock you out of that that space, right? And so, uh, whereas in the past, when I had done the podcast years and years ago, back when we used to do Schnauzer Logic, when I used to do the radio program every um, week or every day or every week at KSCO, um, I was in that zone, like you would have to work really hard to pull me out of the groove. Th- this never felt like the groove that I wanted to be in. Um, I, I was doing Doing it, I, I certainly enjoyed doing it, but it never felt like I was in that that kind of a groove. And so, the smallest thing, more also large things, uh, health related things, work related things, other kinds of generalized anxiety and mental health and things of that nature, could pull, pull, pull kind of pull me out of the groove, kind of push me out of that center, if you will. Um, and uh, and uh, and so, I didn't do a show. And then what happened that kind of got me to be sitting here today, again, on the 16th of February in 2023, is I think I stumbled across a video that said, uh, like, you know, seven tips or 10 tips, some number of tips, probably a prime number of tips, um, to increase listenership for your podcast. And I thought, well, I would like a prime number of tips to increase listenership for my podcast. That would be awesome. And so I started watching the video, uh, professionally produced by someone who is clearly a professionally produced podcaster, and and each of the tips, as you went through them, I thought, well, that's fucking wrong, and that's not right, and I don't agree with that, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And one of the things that he said at the very beginning was, like, don't have a podcast where you talk about everything. Like, have a very, very specific topic, like a very focused, narrow, uh, directed topic because there are, you know, hundreds of thousands or millions of podcasts. And so you don't want to just be a generic, you know, we talk about everything podcast. You want to talk about one thing. What is your podcast about? And I thought to myself, well, um, if I have to answer that question, then my podcast is about me. That, that's what this podcast is about. This podcast is about me. And that was kind of a breakthrough for me. It's sort of slightly humorous to say it in that way, but it was really kind of a breakthrough, which was, oh, I'm not trying to project out, right, which is a can be an exhausting experience for everyone involved. Instead, I'm going to really just let my inner monologue become real in the world. And um, and again, like I, I, I realize now I've been sitting here for, I, I don't know, six or seven minutes and talking nonstop. And, and if you stumbled across me, if you, if you were sitting next to me at a, at a coffee shop at a Starbucks, right. And you, and you were sitting next to me and you were, you were overhearing this, right? We were, you weren't at the same table, but you overheard this, you know, you would say like, oh, this is somebody who's carrying on a conversation with somebody, I hope, not just in their own head, but this this feels like a natural, normal, kind of an interesting conversation. And so I realized I don't need anybody to talk to. What I really want to do is get these ideas out of my head. The this, That was the first part. And so I thought, well, that's kind of interesting because that takes a lot of pressure off of me. I don't have to entertain you. 
I would like to entertain you, but but I don't have to entertain you. I don't have to try to keep you engaged. In fact, what I think is true, my experience as a broadcaster, as a communicator, as an entertainer, um, uh, in all of the positions that I've had, my, my experience is that the audience finds me. The audience that needs me will find me. Um, It's lovely when the audience that I'm looking for and the audience that is looking for me, when we kind of meet up with each other, that's a a beautiful thing. That's a a beginning of a beautiful friendship. Um, Doesn't always happen, right? And so sometimes I'm the perfect solution for somebody else, but they're not the right person for me and vice versa. But again, as someone who's kind of an entertainer, communicator, et cetera, et cetera, it's fine. It's okay if it's if it's one way. It doesn't have to be mutual all of the time. I think that's true about any kind of relationship. Um, and also the sexual elements within any kind of relationship. Don't know why I threw that out there, but there you go. So that was the very first idea that I had that began to suggest to me that maybe I was approaching the show in the wrong way, which was I was trying to do the show for you, whoever you are, as opposed to doing the show for me, which was... Um, which I'm still trying to figure out who the fuck I am. Um, The second thing that happened, which I think is really important, is I have been doing online therapy for a year and a half now through BetterHelp, uh, which if you're here in the United States, uh, know is one of these online therapy uh, telehealth uh, they say sort of became very popular during the pandemic when people weren't able to get to see therapists in person. And, um, and, and I think I've recounted before my story of trying to find a therapist uh, a couple of years ago when I was going through a really severe mental health crisis, I think is a fair way of putting it, um, and, and ultimately got ghosted by a therapist, which was fucked up, and, um, and then found someone, won't use their name, but found someone through BetterHelp and uh, they and I have been working together on a weekly basis now for again like a year and a half, and they're fucking awesome. They're, they've been they've been great. And my joke, of course, is that they're only slightly better than talking to myself in the mirror. But one of the things that I realize is talking to yourself in your own head or talking to yourself in the mirror because I don't tend to do that out loud. Um, doesn't allow you uh, to have that sense of being witnessed. There is something about the nature of who we are as human beings, right? As social creatures, even if we live alone, that 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 I, I think creates uh, a, a kind of experience when you're sharing your life, your stories, your feelings, emotions, whatever it is, with another human being that's different, right? It's it's a different kind of a thing. And so I would routinely, right? I'm I'm in my 60s now, and and so you you might almost say like, well, you, you got to figure yourself out pretty well at this point. And I think th- that's true to a good extent. But but nevertheless. I would say things out loud to my therapist that that I had never said out loud before. And and by the way, um, I'll say she because it's just too complicated to keep talking about they. Like she didn't prompt me very often, right? I would suspect that I might be one of the clients where she said the fewest number of words. In fact, we might have had sessions where, you know, maybe she said a hundred words maximum. Like, I mean, maybe even less than that. Like she didn't do that. I'm, as you can tell, I'm very self-motivated to tell stories. Um, 
And so I would begin talking um, and that would lead to thoughts. And again, because I could see a face in front of me, I would uh, talk to that particular face and I would tell these stories to that face. And I would hear myself saying things out loud to this other person that I had never recognized in my head. For example, I will share this with you right now. Um, One of the things, and this unlocked, by the way, this unlocked, I think, some, some healthy uh, insights and some changed behavior. Um, one of the things that, that I realized was that I have a, a rageful personality, which is very unusual. I think if you, if you know me in, in real life, you would not use rage as a word to describe me, but I'm, I'm, I, I have a layer right beneath the ganache of, of, of anger, really, really un, unresolved anger. And, and again, talked about it with my therapist, and I understand the roots of a lot of this anger, and I, I think much of it is, is, is reasonable anger, right? And, and sort of going back to childhood and those kinds of, you know, uh, poorly formed relationships, but then carrying them forward as an adult, so that becomes more complicated, and then you sort of layer on top of layer on top of layer. Anyhow, a lot of fucking rage, which when I was younger, when I was in my sort of late 20s, I think I expressed that kind of a rage. And it often scared the fuck out of me. Um, I never hit anybody. Um, I don't know that I necessarily broke a lot of things. I might have broken some stuff out of rage, you know, slammed doors until the door shattered, that, that kind of stuff. I don't think I punched any walls. I don't remember doing that. But, but it was sort of scary. I mean, I, I recognized that I was in in this kind of white light rage when I was going through it. Again, never hit anybody else, um, but also recognize like this is not healthy. This is not a good way of, of, of being and living and, and behaving. And so I decided, right, as sort of as a human being, I was like, I'm not going to rage anymore. And so I suppressed all of that anger and all of that rage. I suppressed it. I kept it down. And it turned into, right? In fact, you might almost say that I depressed that rage and it became depression. And I realized that much of what had been triggering for me as a kind of um, uh, th- that would lead me into, right, if we, if we sort of think about sort of a manic phase um, and a depressive phase, the things that would often trigger the depressive element of that phage was a kind of rage that went unsaid, right, unrecognized, unacknowledged, unexpressed rage. And, and it's a weird insight to have when you're sort of, you know, in the, in the last in the last quarter of your life, right? You know, uh, you know, 20, 40, 60, 80, I don't know, you know, maybe I've got whatever the fuck it is. Maybe it's another third of my life. Who the fuck knows? But again, I'm, I'm unlikely to live to be 120. And so, you know, being in your 60s is like, really, is that a time to start learning things about yourself? You know, or, or as they say, like, things I wish I had known yesterday or maybe even 30 years ago. But I, but I recognized that... Um, that that not having a way to express this rage, not to, having a way to express this anger, right? Instead, I turned it inward. And, and again, I'm pretty sure that if you do some kind of a Google search, right, in the in the psychological mental health 
uh, writing, teaching arts, right? You would find that there is lots of lots of learning regarding turning rage inward and that becoming this kind of destructive depression. And so, um, I the, merely the fact of saying that out loud and recognizing that that was what I was doing, it actually unlocked a sense of like, oh, I don't have to do that. It is okay for me to be angry. It is okay for me to feel rageful. I don't know that it's okay for me to express it in ways that are destructive to the property around me, especially if I don't own that property. But even if I do, because I'm going to have to pay or have the property replaced or repaired. Um, but it's, it's okay. It's not bad to be angry. It's not bad to be rageful. Um, to feel that you're that you're not being considered, that you're not being respected, that you're not being listened to, all of those kinds of things, and and that was and that was something that was really important to me, and that was an insight that I had really like just a few weeks ago from this online therapy, and so as you can tell, like this is really important to me, and so you can imagine my sense of anger and frustration when I got a note from said same therapist telling me that she needs to take a medical leave of absence um, and will not be able to work with me any anymore uh, in about a month. And, um, and, and so, of course, you know, on the one hand, it's like, fuck! And then on the other hand, it's like, oh, shit, like, I'm sorry that somebody who's, I don't know personally, but who's an important part of my life is, is unwell enough that they need to stop doing the thing that they're doing, and not just for a few days or a few weeks, but an extended period of time. And you need to maintain those boundaries, and so I haven't been asking any questions about things, but I'm obviously concerned. And, and you know, there's always a transference between folks and Again, if you've been listening to me now for sort of, you know, the last 15 or 20 minutes, it's, I, can, I can be an entertaining storyteller. I don't, I don't need to take a pause or a breath or a drink of water often. Um, and so I think that she's feeling a sense of sadness as well. And we'll look for somebody else for me. Like we'll try to figure out somebody else that can that can do this kind of work with me. But but she and I have built a pretty good relationship, and I don't know that I'll be able to find the same kind of relationship with somebody else. Maybe it's, it's certainly possible. I will do my best. Instead, what may happen is I build a different kind of relationship with somebody. But what I realized was I need this. I need the ability to talk out loud and to be witnessed. And so I thought, hey, I have a podcast that I have not used in a very, very long time. And if I get a screenshot of her face um, from our little, you know, Zoom call thing, and I put it up and tape it to my monitor that's sitting here in front of me, right? And then I kind of look at her, it will be because often she would freeze. And so I couldn't tell whether she was still there or not. Um, it will be very similar. And so I can still have these kind of online therapy minus one, if you will, sessions and and hopefully um, create a little bit of uh, of. of release um, and uh, and a little bit of space and a little bit of health and uh, and and again like maybe it'll be interesting to you maybe it'll be helpful to you maybe it'll provide some kind of insights to you I don't know but I I'm, I'm I'd love to try that and so that's where we are so um, that is the longest introduction that I've done in a very very long time and I promise that I'm going to try to keep the show still to only about 30 minutes so we don't have a whole lot of time left and so what did I want to talk about today. 
Um, well, I, I, I am a pop culture freak, and, uh, and so, and I had an interesting conversation uh, with my friend Sean Meehan, who I'm hoping that I will be able to maybe drag onto this podcast uh, in the future. Uh, I need to figure this out. I love Sean. Sean is absolutely a brother from another mother. Um, he went through a, a really challenging time. He lost his, he lost his wife last year. I think it was, I think it was a little bit unexpected. Um, I can't imagine what that's like at this point. Um, and so, so, uh, and so it, I, I think it's not the kind of thing where you just kind of get over it in a couple of months. And so leaving space and creating love for my buddy Sean is what I've been trying to do. And so when we have conversations, I call him occasionally, don't always hear back from him. But when I do hear back from him, I try to talk to him about things that have nothing to do with uh, the, the feelings that he's feeling. I leave space for him to talk about those things. But we talk about stuff that we're interested in. And both of us have been interested in, in cinema and in screenwriting. I know that he is been part of the industry and he's written some screenplays and he used to be an art director, et cetera, et cetera. And so I, I, I lamented to him um, over the last, I would say probably over the last six months, a number of friends have said to me, hey, have you seen White Lotus? Now, The White Lotus is a series on HBO. Um, it, was, uh, it was written uh, and directed by um, uh, Mike White, uh, who I think also wrote uh, a School of Rock and a lot of other things. I really like Mike White, um, and uh, and it's a it's a, uh, they've had now a two series of this show, eight episodes each, and. I binge watched um, all 16 episodes, about an hour each. So I watched binge watched about 16 hours of HBO and definitely not TV um, over the last week or so. And and after binge watching the first series of uh, The White Lotus, which I think a lot of people, but interestingly enough, people have said to me is better than the second series of White Lotus. And what I would say is, um, it, it, no, it's it's just awful in a different way. I realized that I, I had an insight as to why so much of the current prestige television, the, the kind of television, you know, these limited series that are on HBO or maybe on Amazon Prime or Netflix or what have you, um, that people really, really, really love. And I, I kind of tap into them and then I immediately tap out and I keep thinking like, well, why is that? Some of them have to do with the horror genre and that's just not a thing that I'm into. I don't really like horror. It doesn't do anything for me. In, in fact, I dislike horror. But, um, but that's not what White Lotus is about. And I realized that, and I was able to sort of describe this to Sean, um, is that I think the reason that I dislike programs like the White Lotus, especially the first the first series, and others like it, these kind of cringe behavior programs. Because initially what I said to him was, you know, there's nobody in the show that I can root for, and I feel like I need to have a hero. But, but I also realize that there are many anti-hero programs, uh, anti-hero movies, anti-hero entertainment that I, that I do like, right? Where it's kind of an anti-hero program, an anti-hero story, and I, and I still do like it. So what is it about, especially that first series of White Lotus? And I thought, oh, these are people that are not just anti-heroes. These are all people who are modeling extremely antisocial behavior, 
poor behavior. And we and 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 I think in this case, Mike White, although not exclusively Mike White, is using this bad behavior as a as a as a form of entertainment for us, almost like Schadenfreude that we we are are amused or entertained by somebody else's really, really bad behavior. And if that's all that it was, right, if we were only amused or entertained by somebody's really bad behavior, um, inability to set boundaries, uh, inability, you know, poor, poor ways of expressing themselves or relating to other people, all of those kind of things, maybe that would be fine. But I think what happens is that then becomes a model for well, it's okay for me to behave this way because that's how I see the real housewives behaving, right? It's okay for me to behave this way because that's how I I see people behaving on these reality shows, right? Quote, unquote, I'm doing air quotes. You can't see I'm doing air quotes because there's no camera here because who the fuck wants to see me, right? But but like these reality shows, right? Where where like you, you see this behavior and it starts off as behavior which you say, oh, well, this is... This is entertainment. This is bad behavior as entertainment. But when you see enough bad behavior as entertainment, I think it's very hard not to say, well, maybe that's a choice. Maybe that's an opportunity for me. Like, maybe I could model that behavior because they're modeling that behavior. Whereas the reality is if you were to meet people like that in the in in real life, right? You you probably wouldn't want to be friends with them. You wouldn't want to engage with them. And if you are engaging with them, you would recognize that that is a bad, toxic relationship that you shouldn't have anything to do. But so what you should do is you should get out of it. So if you were living in episode one of White Lotus, you would go, oh fuck, I got to get out of here before the end of episode two of White Lotus. You would not stick around for episode eight. Of White Lotus, and and I think that what that what depresses me, what saddens me, what angers me, um, is that there is so much of this because I think it is easy to push people's buttons. It is easy to write drama, which is so over the top because you can create characters who behave so badly that that they they almost become a caricature, right? But audiences are now set up to accept those characters, look forward to those characters. They love they, you know, what they they love the drama, right? You're a missy bitch and I love the drama. That kind of thing. And and that kind of drama, I think, then begins to corrode the underpinning of all the social interactions we have with each other. Now, I understand that this is really fucking highfalutin talk from me, a podcast host that probably nobody's going to be hearing, and, and who the fuck am I? And again, like, as I always say to the students that I work with, it, you know, like, I'm not right, I'm just loud. And, and you're fine to disagree with me, that's never, that's never a problem. But I, but I do think it is true that we have allowed, again, not that we should prohibit these things, but I think this kind of dramatic storytelling, 
right? Which which is not really counterbalanced by anything. Uh, there there is no sort of wholesome storytelling. I mean, there, I guess that's not fair. There there are some wholesome storytelling things, but but the ones that get the big the big ratings, right? The big insights, the lot, the buzz. Are these are these programs where all of the characters are are unmittingly you know are are, are is that the word Un, unmittingly that's not right I don't remember I'll figure it out later like they're just fucking awful every single one of them is awful right none of them have any redeeming qualities and and I think that the entire first season of White Lotus is like that there isn't anybody in that first show that has any redeeming qualities, right? You don't now, which is not to say that you couldn't have written them that way, but they didn't. Specifically wrote them as flat as possible to be able to create these characters that you can move around on the board for the entertainment of the audience. Again, if it's just entertainment, you're just pushing pieces around on a board, that's fine. But I think people then begin to model that behavior as being acceptable behavior. The interesting thing is, I'm going to stop and take a breath, is that in the second series, which I also fucking binge watched, I told you, did 16 hours or so of this thing, um, is and a lot of folks, again, you know, many people have told me, um, but in this case it's true, there really actually are many people have told me, that the second series is not as good. Um, and I think, again, I think that's because in the second series, Mike White tried to create some characters that had some redeeming quality. They were not quite as two-dimensional, right? The um, the uh, the assistant um, uh, Portia uh, to to um, uh, what's her name? Uh, oh God, the 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 actress who is in all of the um, uh, the improvised movies. <laughs> I should have done some prep and written shit down. Anyhow, um, the, there's an actress. There's a character called Portia who plays a who plays a personal assistant, and. Um, what the fuck was that? Oh, I guess my time is... Okay, all right, stop. Why are you making noise? You've never made noise before. God damn. All right, let's see. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Yeah, yeah. See, but it didn't do that the last time. All right, there we go. 60 seconds remaining. All right, we'll, we'll, we'll do something here. All right, that's fine. I don't know. I probably shouldn't have stopped this. Probably made a mistake. Probably fucked this up. Anyhow, uh... What was I saying? Portia. Yes. Um, she um, she actually has some socially redeeming qualities, right? So it's like, oh, that that kind of breaks the mold of the very first uh, season of uh, of uh, White, the White Lotus, and and I think it's harder to write that. I think Mike White was not as successful in writing complex and nuanced characters. And so you sort of flip back and forth between these characters that are two-dimensional, which I think you're supposed to love to hate, right? And 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 then my, my, my thesis is that you're going to try to model that bad behavior. And then a couple of characters who maybe aren't supposed to be that awful, right? And, and mixing those two things together doesn't work. And I think a reason a lot of my friends don't like the second series as much is it it doesn't have that same kind of um i want to say i was going to say like 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 um like you know bad behavior porn you know but it doesn't it doesn't have that same kind of feeling or reaction right which is like oh i kind of wanted to hate all of these people but now you've made it complex for me because i got to figure out what the fuck is going on with these folks um anyhow that's where we are i think we're probably close to a half an hour or so so uh, i'm gonna i'm gonna stop here maybe we can do this again sooner um i wanted to tell you that not the podcast is a production of the schnauzer 
Circle Logic Radio Company. I wrote this down. And is hosted by Red Circle, a fantastic platform for podcasters and brands to scale their message. Check them out at redcircle.com. Um, our theme music was written and recorded by me, Robin Goldstein. And you can contact us by writing to robin at notthepodcast.show. That's robin at notthepodcast.show. Or sending us a text or leaving a voicemail at 470-PODCAST. That's 470-PODCAST. And I used to say we're also on Twitter, but fuck Twitter and fuck Elon Musk. We're now in the metaverse. Not the metaverse. We're in the fediverse um, over at Mastodon. It's uh, at robin at schnauzer.social. That's robin at schnauzer.social. And until next week, uh, show up, pay attention, tell the truth, and don't be attached to the outcome. Thanks for listening. Tell your friends. Love you. Bye. This is over now, and you just got to deal with it. I want you to know it's over. It's over, Johnny. It's over. It's over. Go away. It's over, Harvey. I'm sorry. I need to get on with my life. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go. Elvis has left the building. This is the Schnauzer Logic Radio Company.